All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, in the Minute with Mary studio, welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. everybody welcome back i'm your host mary larson my name is blake and there is 0.0 doubt mary about whom i would be rooting for or for whom i would be rooting uh in this chapter of the order of the phoenix sadly though you can't sing to save your save your life so you might have just been uh no, 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 no. you know i, I would have been drowned been, out you would have been crab and goyle just doing the beater not knowing <laughs> what is going on nor being able to find which end of the broom to sit on whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> everybody other everyone like uh, like the other voices would have drowned my terrible singing voice as we know it's a mary and blake media commitment that yes, i shall not sing and i'm fully willing to go along with that mm-hmm. but the 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 Slytherin greatness here is is beyond measure. <laughs> this might be the zenith. I don't know if I would call Slytherin it greatness. Oh, it's awesome. It's something. Well, that being said, Blake, then you should be very happy because the quote that I have chosen for this chapter nineteen, the lion and the serpent, okay, is actually the lyrics to the song. Yes, you're let's welcome. Go. Okay, let's go. Weasley cannot save a thing. He cannot block a single ring. That's why Slytherins all sing. Weasley is our king. Weasley was born in a bin. He always lets the quaffle in. Weasley will make sure we win. Weasley is our king. (laughs) Oh, that is great stuff. Kid was born in a bin. Not great. And we're going to delve into why, you rich kid, yourself. Listen. I don't, no, no, I don't, no. I, I mean, no, <laughs> no. Oh, as standing up for uh, the poor wizards of America. Well, no, you can, you can say a lot about these lyrics, but that's the one that's going to be a stickler. <laughs> so on that note, I don't want we the, are going to get the into the show. Is telling me oh what my I can Here we go. Let's get into the show. Let's do it. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. <laughs> Uh. And this is why we wouldn't have dated in high school or college. <laughs> no no at way. All. Like at all. Match.com no knew what it was doing when it was like, we're going to save this one till, uh, <laughs> till much later. And then she can learn about who he is after oh. she marries him. Holy smokes. <laughs> Hopefully you will temper that. It'll, it'll be it'll be a little too late friends for Mary. Are, <laughs> friends who are members at jointhenerdclan.com who listen to the Crown podcast already know that Blake's on thin ice with me as it is. <laughs> So, Wait, why am I at the nice? Because of the rom-com episode. Oh, get out of here. Nope, too bad. <laughs> get out of here. Okay, so uh, as a little recap for our friends who are wizards and have read this chapter in the past, and if you are revisiting it here through the Potterverse, hi and thank you. Um, this, of course, as I said earlier, is chapter 19. Lion and the Serpent, and this is the chapter where um, we get the cute, cool little coins that Hermione is able to do a charm on to allow the students who are in Dumbledore's army to be able to meet at different times because of all of the different schedules, so they're still meeting and things are going great for them. This, The big thing, though, of this chapter is Luna Lovegood's giant lion hat, which I'm surprised I'm not wearing Yeah, how right did now. you not wear this? I don't know where it is. I feel like a little last stole it, and I don't know where it is oh, right now. That's uh, unacceptable. Agreed, agreed. Because friends, in case you were wondering, I actually do have a giant knitted lion hat that I've worn <laughs> at the Quidditch World Cup, the Muggle Quidditch World Cup. It's true. Anyway, this is the chapter where the the um, Gryffindor Quidditch team plays against Slytherin. It is Ron's first game, and a brawl ensues thanks to the terrible lyrics that I just said earlier in Harry. Fred and George are given a lifetime ban from playing Quidditch by none other than Professor Umbridge uh, just because just because she can. And best of all, Hagrid is back. 
That's the only good thing that happens in this chapter. (laughs) Hagrid is back. No, come on. You got you got to. Come on. Okay, so here's the scoop poops. Uh, Blake. Ooh, Blake's been on thin ice with me for a week in podcasting. So he's going to be very careful about his hatred because there's a lot. As I said, Blake, Weasley is our king. Fine. It's great. Okay. It's great stuff. Great stuff, except for one line. So please don't jump on that line because you're going to make me mad. What? You know which one. The one I just talked about before. We'll get into which it. Which one? The bin blade. <laughs> the bin. I just wanted you to say it again. Thank you. What's really fun is that this chapter just glosses <laughs> over Halloween. Yeah, it's true. Halloween sometimes in the Potterverse is is a dicey day. <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be visitors coming in on a winged carriage and mm-hmm. from a boat in the lake. Maybe a troll is in the dungeon. You never know what's going to happen. But here, in Order of the Phoenix, book five, doesn't even mention Halloween. It's just like the last couple of weeks, October went by, and then it was November before you knew it. What? Yeah, that was it. Where's the singing toads with Flitwick? Where's, Where's some the... troll bogeys Come at on! least? Where are the floating pumpkins? <laughs> Where are the sweets and puddings? That's what I need to know. So anyway, we just, but you know, it's because there's nothing happy in this book. This is emo Harry, as you like to call oh, no, it. This is happy. This is happy. The only happy thing is Hagrid is back. Well, no, no. I, I think, I. listen. We, I'm just we saying can... we gloss over Halloween and I need, as someone who likes to celebrate all holidays. We can joke about the whole Weasley's Arcane Born in the Bin thing. But, however, I mean, Quidditch is back. And the fact of the matter is, this is a good chapter for the wee Hogwarts of it mm-hmm. all, right? Like, there, there's no room for Weasley as our king, like, later on in the series. This is that great tipping point, I think, Mary, where things just... You can no longer have wee Hogwarts. I mean, you can a little bit in book six, I suppose. There's there's many times where we still get to have wee Hogwarts. I like Amy Hulsman, who is joining us live on Facebook. She says the reason that there were no floating pumpkins is because Hagrid wasn't there to grow said pumpkins. Aww. Love that idea. And maybe we can have a belated Halloween now that we can go back to Hagrid's You know hut. what I was actually thinking about, Mary? <laughs> I was no. actually thinking about changing. It's a dangerous our, past. Time. I know. I was thinking about changing our Christmas tree setup because we, uh, unfortunately, for those of you who you know don't know, we leave our Christmas tree up until the twelfth day of Christmas. We Af- have multiple trees. That's that's first true. off. That's true. There's the main so Christmas. I was Christmas actually tree. Think, I was there's <laughs> <laughs> there's the main one, and then there's no! the winter tree. Right. So here's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking we can we can change the main one, okay. but we absolutely should change the winter one, okay, to Harry Potter themed. And I was thinking about doing floating candles around the tree, uh huh, and having a topper be the Sorting Hat. I think I fully made my dream come true. <laughs> you now think this was your idea all along. <laughs> No, God, please, no, no, accomplished. You heard it here first, ladies and gents. Blake thinks this would have been his idea. Uh, You know, not my subliminally having the background of my iPad be that same thing for years. (laughs) Awesome. Yes, Blake, I'm here for that. Thank you so very much. I love the idea of of having floating candles and the whole thing. I think it's great. Me too. I saw it. You know where I saw it? I think I saw it on Instagram Mm. and I was like. Maybe I planted it. You there. know, Mary's sitting there next to my phone. Harry Potter, floating candles, Christmas tree. Listen to me, algorithm. Well, so this takes place yes. up through. It starts a uh, second of November ish, so early November. Yeah. Just, just rooted in the fact, friends. Nineteen ninety-five. This is still. Oh like, my god. Just, just live with the Potter. Okay. They, they, they haven't even had the the ninety-six Olympics yet. They won't really cover that in this series. I know, but, but you I, know what I mean. Just you, you I think do. of that. Think I, of that. It's weird. I just love to, now that we're old geezers, I love to bring it on back to when these books are set. It's just a really neat, fun thing. So once again, we kick things off, and Harry is on cloud nine. It says he feels like he was carrying around some kind of talisman over his chest for the next couple of weeks with a glowing secret that supported him through Umbridge's classes and even made it possible for him to smile blandly as he looked into her horrible 
bulging eyes. Mm, love it. It gets so good because Neville has successfully disarmed Hermione and Colin Creevy even mastered the impediment jinx and Parvati Patil produced a good reductor curse that she actually reduced a table carrying all the sneakoscopes to dust. And this is in mere weeks and they're meeting about, you know, a couple of times a week, oftentimes just once a week because they have so many Quidditch practices to have to deal with. So I love that Harry is happy that he's doing this, just bringing him joy. But also he as a teacher is finding joy because his students are learning and growing. And for those of you who are educators, for those of you who are parents, for those of you who've been coaches, hopefully you have been able to have that feeling as well when you see them doing what you've been working towards. They, you know, whether it's, as I said, as a parent, if you're working towards helping them speak or helping them learn a certain skill, we're currently right now trying to help our kids learn how to clean their rooms. So if you have any tips and tricks, but when that day happens... Mm-hmm. Blake and I may feel like we too are carrying a talisman in our pocket. And I just want to applaud these characters, particularly Neville, who is able to disarm Hermione. Oh, yeah. That's that's no that's joke. That's a big deal. That's and we no know, joke. of course, that this is going to embolden Neville and this is going to help him as in his future with Dumbledore's army and, and the Order of the Phoenix. And as he eventually goes on to really be an important figure in the Battle of Hogwarts even. Mm -hmm. So, and it really all stems from this, from Harry breathing belief into him, from there being time to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and to know that you're not going to be made fun of. Um, You know, these, these students are really in such a wonderful environment where they're all in this together and it is student led and student driven, which gives them ownership where they want to do better. They don't mind that it's odds and ends studying all in this Cusack Efron. <laughs> um you know mary I, this is kind of you know off off topic here but i've always been confused by the reductor curse mm-hmm. i thought it was reducto not reductor in the movies say the re- reducto okay all right so because i and also they've got like that british accent so who knows if yeah. there's a hidden r somewhere in there you know how, like, we here in Rhode Island, it would be like, oh, yeah, it's a reductor curse. And you'd be like, is there an R? I don't know, because they speak Rhode Island. Yeah, see, but that's the difference, though, because if it was, like, reducta, it's like a reducta, but it's not reducta, it's reducto. But reducto. they're not from Rhode Island. They're from the UK. They're from different parts. Reducto. Yeah. Is that but in how the it movies, it's, it's... I think it's reducto in, in the, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of like Reducto better than Reductor. You should tell the author, hey, go back and change all your books. Would you fix that for me? Fix that. For <laughs> Love Blake in Rhode Island. What is this? Ah. I want another we edition. We don't do ahs. Just make another edition just to fix the ah for Reducto because it's stupid. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. Blake. Oh, man. They end up using these really brilliant fake coins, uh, the fake galleons that. Hermione is able to do a charm on that changes what would have normally been the goblin's number that stamped yes. it to reflect the date and time at which they're supposed to meet. Yeah. And Harry talks about it with Hermione. He's like, Hermione, this kind of reminds me of the dark mark. And Hermione's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, I love the whole going back. I wrote it down here. The exchange between them is, well, yes, said Hermione quietly. That's where I got the idea. But you'll notice I decided to engrave the date on bits of metal rather than our members' skin. Yeah, I prefer your way, said Harry, grinning as he slipped the galleon into his pocket. Uh, It's great because it shows that there is uh, some... uh, Not only is the group rebellious in and of itself, but in a quiet way, but also another quiet kind of rebellion is... The fact that Hermione has decided to not uh, have this show up on their skin, right? It, it's, it's the in what it is. It's promoting the opposite of what Death Eaters are and what Dolores Umbridge is. Whether it is Umbridge making Harry go to detention, writing on his skin, or you know, it, leaving a permanent mark on subjects or on followers. Hermione is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a great foil to what the, the Death Eaters do, right? It's, it, it Subconsciously, it automatically sets you up to, to view each of these sides mm-hmm. as they are, right? Yep. I love that. 
One other fun thing, our our little lad and our lass, they love ancient Greek mythology. Uh, our lad has gone to Harry Potter camp a lot and has learned a lot of the Latin kind of beginnings of why these curses are named what they're worded. And so I was listening to this chapter with them on the, on the road and the protean charm is the charm that Hermione uses, which of course is a big tip because it's newt level. Yeah, right. But it's based upon a Greek myth Oh, Proteus, who was Poseidon's first son, and Protean means flexibility, versatility, adaptability, because he was able to change shapes. Sure. So our ten-year-old and eight-year-old told me this that that's why this charm is named <laughs> that way because of the flexibility, adaptability, and it means that things can change. And it just so happens that he was the first son of Poseidon. Wow. And our little lad and I are doing the Percy Jackson Prophecy podcast Shameless about plug. another son of Poseidon. Yes. So all of this just to, you know, intertwine together. But they're like, Mom, do you know the origin of this charm? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I knew so much more and you guys are training me in, in so much of a Greek mythology. So by the way, go fact. to go to MaryandBlake.com. Check out the Percy Jackson prophecy as Mary was. Yeah, saying you can find earlier. it on your podcast apps. Yes, yeah. well, Blake does make his his appearance. He yes. gets to have his dad's details, but it's me and our ten year old son. So if you're into that series or if you yourself um know know someone who's into Percy Jackson, check that on out. All right, Mary, I, I have a question here here and this is more of a, a broader question more of a macro storytelling question and that is did the author make a mistake mm. in not having at least one slytherin in dumbledore's army and i ask that because there could be a lot of tension with are you a, jealous as a slytherin like, absolutely you... not <laughs> Would I you, want nothing to do with this. For group. real, you would have not wanted to be in the DA. No, because I know I know what's what. If I'm at Hogwarts at this time right now, I know what's what. Umbridge is in power. I'm sticking to Umbridge. Because so she, there you go, Blake. I know, but not every Slytherin is the same as me, right? No. But regard again, again, reality is not an excuse for storytelling. Yes. Would it be sure? Would it be better? <laughs> Think of, Only when it proves your point, right? <laughs> uh, yes, always. When it, when, <laughs> when it fits my agenda, yes. it's right. Uh, no, think of Regulus Black. Okay, right. Yes. Think, think of Regulus Black. Mm -hmm. Would it have better been better to have a Regulus Black style person in Dumbledore's army? Because there is, a, there would be at least um, a, a provision for a lot of tension whether it be just the natural give and take of a Slytherin and these group of kids or uh, the Gryffindors blaming a Slytherin for letting the letting the group know, like Umbridge know, like it, there, there could be a whole plethora of, of idea and drama here and it's not. Okay. D so. did, she, did she make a mistake, number one? And number two, do you think she made the right choice? I do not think she made a mistake and I do think she made the right choice. <clears throat> given the current wow <laughs> <laughs> given the current class that we have going on and this is mainly based with a lot of fifth years and kind of their um, accompanying friends okay mm -hmm. this isn't like a first year thing maybe if it was a first year group maybe they had more blended friendships between Gryffindors and Slytherins but currently the group that is the most hardcore in it is fifth years and the animosity that the fifth year Gryffindors have against the fifth year Slytherins is out of control there would be no way shape or form that any fifth year Slytherin would be secretly in the DA now if this was a different time or place maybe maybe Regulus Black's year but I find that Regulus Black was very wishy-washy and he wanted to do what his friends were doing. He joined the flipping Death Eaters, okay? So he was very easily influenced by his friends in his younger years until he learned the truth. The only person that I can tell you who would have been a Slytherin that would have joined this, in my opinion, would actually have been Slith uh, Severus Snape because of Lily. So if this was way sure. back in the days of Severus and Lily, if James hadn't founded it, for example, say Lily founded it, then yeah. I could see a Gryffindor-Slytherin relationship where there wasn't necessarily animosity yet that he would have done it. But in this particular group that we know, they hate each other. The first Quidditch match is Gryffindor versus Slytherin. So there's even more hatred going on. I mean, even the teachers don't want these other kids to succeed. So in this age demo... 
these kids don't get along. Mm-hmm. They only told their friends who are obviously not Slytherin. And none of those people are going to invite the Slytherins because they know they hate them. Sure. So, no. I think that the author did the right thing for this current class and we all know like different classes have different friends i know for my year in college and in high school we pretty much like all um stuck to ourselves but then there's other years in high school that they kind of mingled between different years and different kind of classes and stuff so Mm -hmm. i'm just saying for who we know and who we know founded it i think the author did the right thing well yeah the 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 problem i think that we have as it's written is that there aren't main cat well all right, not main characters, but sub-level characters that we know of that have any kind of leniency or or any kind of leading towards anything involving a Gryffindor or Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw, right? Like the Slytherin has thus far been written so diametrically opposed foes to Gryffindor that. Ultimately, I don't think that sh- the author. I wouldn't say could. Slytherin as a whole, though. I'm saying Slytherin in this year. We have to keep in mind that um, Slughorn was a Slytherin. Slughorn would have totally been in the DA if well, he could have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying this particular class, this particular grouping. Yes, I believe that the author was right. That the fifth year Slytherins were jerks. Mm-hmm. No way would you want them knowing about it whatsoever. And Lord knows they're too dumb in that year <laughs> to be able to figure this Don't out. Don't you dare besmirch the, the, <laughs> the great name of, of Pansy Parkinson. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, she's so great. The way that the fifth years are portrayed, no, no one would want to be their friends. Yeah, no, I get it. I get so it. So that's I, what I'm getting at is that, and then you know your group. You know what I mean? Like, say you're Colin Creevy and you've got a couple of friends in your year who are Slytherins, but you know who started this group. It's Harry freaking Potter. Yeah, no, okay? that, that's true. Yeah, you are point. not going to invite your Slytherin friend to Harry freaking Potter's group. I can't find my Harry freaking that's Potter. That's okay. That's I, I got oh, here you. Oh, it is. I got you. I'm Harry freaking Like, you're just not. Potter. It's just like when you have friends that break up and you like both, uh, both of the people in the relationship and then you got to choose sides. Or maybe maybe you dabble in both. But you know, if you're having a party, you can't invite them both. Okay? True. At least in the beginning. As a child of divorce, we celebrate all our holidays together. It's amazing and fantastic. But I'm saying, I think that this is in keeping with what we've been told, what we understand of this current class. Maybe you'd be kind of like inviting multiple boyfriends to your birthday party. Hmm. Huh. That was fun. (laughs) It was like Hunger Games. Oh, my God. boyfriends. Mary, please, go ahead. Tell that story real quick. I mean, we were dating for half a month because we started dating mid-April. My birthday is Cinco de Mayo. That's true. Good point. And it was my golden birthday, which I made up as my golden birthday because your golden birthday is your number. So Mm -hmm. my golden birthday technically was when I was five. (laughs) No. So instead, I just made it my own five times five since it's May 5th. So I made up my 25th birthday to be like my happy birthday to me, golden birthday. Mm. And yeah, I definitely invited multiple people who I'd been dating that year to come to my birthday party, forgetting that I invited them all because once I started dating Blake two weeks prior, like all thoughts of these other people went out the window, Mm -hmm. except they still showed up at my birthday party. Yeah, let's 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 have some context here. Which was a dancing birthday party where I hired oh. like an eighty-year-old dance instructor to teach us how to swing dance. Oh, and nobody knew that. Oh my <laughs> God, that is—it's so wrong. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, back to um, it was it, it was hysterical. No, it it well the, the dancing part was not hysterical. That was awful, especially for someone like me. However, I didn't know about the multiple boyfriend thing until many years later. They weren't later. technically boyfriends. They were guys that I was seeing. No it, one there thought they were my boyfriend. No one there were told they were my boyfriend. Except those guys. No. <laughs> no. None of them did. Well, I was shocked. Think, they didn't think that you were seeing them? Boyfriend is a title. Seeing you is a verb. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. But anyway. Context please. here. Just Hold it. Just context. Context. I had asked Mary to be my only single girlfriend yeah. wanted to be uh, uh, exclusive, yeah. if you will, the day after I met her. No. Was, oh, it was two days after. Somewhere. It was two days like, after. Like, I wasn't still talking to them. It's okay. just they must have had the date written down and she showed up after me not talking their, to them for three weeks. It was in their Google calendar. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> and I was shocked when they just kept coming. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh. 
<laughs> awful. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, thanks, Blake. Oh. They learned that night. That's true. That's yeah. a good point, because I was dancing with you. Yes. Screw those guys. Okay. So, on that <laughs> note. <sighs> oh, man. Lovely. We're going to take a little break and tell you about this episode's sponsor. It is D&D Adventure Club, and it's a monthly subscription service for Dungeons & Dragons adventures built for beginners. So they are amazing stories written and designed for kids, families, and honestly, anyone interested in starting a game of D&D. A new adventure arrives in your mailbox every single month. It has streamlined rules, amazing designs, and pre-built characters. It really lets anyone pick up the game and start telling their stories today. Uh, we do have a coupon code Mary20 for 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's M A R Y 20 for 20% off at your first purchase. And we have been able to delve into these games already. Right, yeah, Blake? they're so good. They're so good. And, you know, th- one of the things that I find, I remember playing D&D as a kid. And I remember doing it, but I always felt like I was really bad at the storytelling. Mm-hmm. I always felt like my imagination couldn't keep up with the storytelling, with the play, playing and the playability, right? So this essentially takes that fear out for the the dungeon master, right, if you will, right? The, this is the one where they get a chance that the story is provided for you. Your characters are already provided for you. Uh, you. You can you can play within the confines, but it gives you a scenario and they last about an hour or so. You can play with the whole family. Trust me, it's easy for kids. It's not it's not racy. It's not it's not any of that. It's just a good storytelling device and a way to use math for your kids and the kids and our kids they love it they want to they want to play all the time trust me <laughs> I, and listen i'm i'm all for the nerdy things but like getting super nerdy into D was not what i was looking forward to this is a great and now way you to are. Do it. Yeah, yeah, it's, now, now it's, I want to do it. It's kids. awesome and it is it's approved by our family. So once again, D and D Adventure Club, you can use the coupon code Mary20 at checkout. Yeah, and check out the show notes uh, in the app that you're listening to. All that information will be there. D N, like uh, the letter N, D Adventure Club. That's that. Yes. Mary20 at checkout. Like let's say you brought up Colin Creevy, right? Let's say Colin does have a friend, and he's like borderline Slytherin. Wouldn't you think? What like do you a, mean borderline? Like, is this person how maybe in Slytherin he's or not? Slitherdor. Okay, but like sorted into Slytherin. Yes. Yes. But like, good kid. He's like you know. Say it's a Slughorn, a little young. Yeah, yeah. Sluggy. A, a young Slughorn, if okay. you will. Young Sluggy. Okay. Sluggy shows up, and is like, hey. I really like you, Colin. And Colin's yeah, me like, too, man. Yeah, man, I really like you as well. We're doing the different perspective right now. Hold oh, on, hold okay. on. Push the button. Blake's okay. like second different perspective. Okay, hold on. He's doing two people at once. He's Colin and You're Little Harry Sluggy. <laughs> I'm Hermione Granger. And, and you are. You are. All right, uh, who am I? Again? You're two people. You're going to have to be like Gollum Wait, I can't, I can't when he's people. Gollum and uh, <laughs> it's Smeasel. It's <wants> <laughs> You're gonna have to be like nice on one side, one on the other. Silly okay, am I Colin Creevy? Is that what's happening? Sure, you can be Colin. Or were Creevy. you trying to be Colin? No, no, and I'm you, gonna be Sluggy. No, no, you can be Colin. I'll be Sluggy. But I don't know what point you're trying to prove with Colin. No, no, just, just you okay. know what? Go, go with me. All right, follow my lead. Hey, Sluggy. Hey, what's going on, Colin? Want to take a picture? I, of course, I do. I, I love pictures with Great. you because we're besties, right? Baby, you love hanging out with me, right? Yeah. I had such a good time. We <laughs> have fun. We sure do. <laughs> We talked. We 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 look at girls. Okay. And and uh, and you know I I've been hearing rumblings, if you will. In your tumbly. <laughs> Are you Winnie the Pooh? No, I I just had some muffins and some pumpkin pasties. Okay. It, it was really good. <laughs> okay, Sluggy. Land the plane. So here's the deal. Here, this is what I'm thinking. Okay, Sluggy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making through this. So, this is what I'm thinking. I've been hearing rumblings. Are you Tommy? What's going on? Okay, Sluggy. I've been hearing rumblings through the grapevine over here. Okay. That, that, that there's this group that you're in. It's called Dumbledore's Army. See, the problem is, is that you couldn't have heard rumblings because I would have gotten pimples. No, no, I heard rumblings. No I'm one was able to true. snitch. Nobody was able to snitch. So, somehow, Umbridge found out. 
Something. Yeah, she found out. I don't know what happened, but she did. Okay, okay, sluggy. So, What's going on? So I was, you know, you want to know what happened? Fine. I was out for now. You're Elmo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sluggy. I think you need to calm down. I was Maybe out you of- need a nap. <laughs> I was out. I was out in front of uh, Umbridge's office, and I heard her talking about this thing called Dumbledore's Army. Okay. Okay. All right. And I wanted to, I wanted to figure it out. Good. And then I seen you walking around with some other people that apparently may have been in this Dumbledore's Army. Yep. A pimple's coming. What? <laughs> Do you think I could maybe, you know, join? No. Why not? I thought we were buddies. No, I'm not allowed to talk about this. <laughs> The fact that you're not talking about it proves that it exists. And then you probably went and joined the Inquisitor squad. <laughs> Point proven. Thanks. <laughs> Telling you the scene. jinx. The jinx. Uh, fair. Fair. I don't know. I just think that there's an opportunity there. I think but you're jealous. Whatever. I, no <laughs> way am I jealous. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. What do you, what do you got? What else do you got? Oh, you go. What do you mean? We, what okay, do we, go? We, we get to We get to Quidditch. Yes. Okay. Ooh. So let's talk about the song here. Can we first talk about the kiss? You missed it. You blink and you miss it. Well, because I don't really care about the kiss. Of course you don't. I don't care. You're but too go busy ahead, go being on. jealous of Dumbledore's army. Go on. I'm just saying, Hermione gives him a little kiss. She gives Ron a kiss as a distraction. She doesn't want him to see the pins that say Weasley is our king. Yes. And so she's, she gives him a little smooch at breakfast. as a good luck smooch. And this is their first you know, shine of affection like that. And she mm-hmm. knows that he's hankering for a hunk of Hermione because of the way that he acted, the sure. Yule Ball and of everything. Of so this was kind of like their little thing. And it worked. He was so distracted as he leaves the Great Hall with Harry mm-hmm. that he doesn't see the pins. And that's when Harry, of course, gets right. to see Weasley as our king. I flippin' love, 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 love Harry Potter in this chapter. I mean, he's, he's Harry freaking Potter, of course. Yeah, of course. But... I, for those of you who are parents or teachers, I'm Harry freaking Potter. I talk about Harry Potter and his brilliance in being able to let snide remarks, let the bullies remarks just roll off of his shoulders. Mm. He ignores them left and right. And granted, it's because he's been picked on he's forever. Shake it off. Shake it, as T Swift would say. He shakes it off, okay? Mm. And the way that he reacts up until the very end, when you talk about his mom, mm-hmm. okay, that's when you're drawing yeah, you the line. Yeah, you don't do that. But up until then, he is able to ignore it. He's able to just push it off. And this is Ron's, uh, it's such a difference in how it affects Ron. So I frequently talk to our kids about if someone says or acts meanly to you that we want to be more of a Harry Potter, mm-hmm. that they do that because they're trying to get power over you and the Slytherins have figured out that this is Ron's weakness. Sure. That he do, he is very self-conscious, that he is worried about what people say and what they think about him. And now they capitalize on this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just breaks my heart. But I just got to give major props because love- Harry Potter, it's, it's, like, it's like taking me through parent therapy. I'm constantly like, what would Potter do? I love what you tell you, our kids to do. You're like, be Harry Potter. And, I'm, and I always say to them, what do I tell them to do? Go get your shine box. Yes. I tell them... I tell them. Which is what happens at the end of this chapter. <laughs> That's true. Yes, but I, I frequently say they're just Draco Malfoys yes. and you need to be Harry Potter. Yes. Listen, here's the thing about sports and sports culture and uh, getting, getting into your opponent's head. I think it's fair game. And that's why I mean we 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 laugh and we joke about you know the the Slytherins versus the Gryffindors and the rich kids versus the poors and all that other stuff, but really to me it's, I don't joke about that. But but sure. you, well, you know what no, I mean. I know. It's really about getting into your opponent's head and finding a way to win. Now tell me, Mary, when it comes to that, what's wrong with that? Um. Well, there's this whole thing like sportsmanship, and I think that there's levels of what you can do and what you cannot do. I will tell you that I had flashbacks during this chapter of the URI football team playing against the Brown football team. So Brown is an Ivy League school, for those of you who don't know. It's on the likes of Harvard. You frequently hear Harvard, Brown, yeah, like you hear about these magnificent schools, very hard to get into. Freaking hot. And they recruit top athletes around the country. Uh, so when we have the annual Governor's Cup here in Rhode Island, where it's the, <laughs> the state school kids Governor's Cup. <laughs> versus the preppy kids who've been paid to get to the school, um, we no pretty much always bowl. lose. Exactly. Yeah. And the Brown Marching Band 
First up, they're called the brownies, and they dress up like Girl Scouts. And they wear yeah, badges. Right. Right, and these badges down. are mocking every team they've played. So they wear like sashes. And every team, they've made a mocking badge. A Weasley is our king crown. I think that's great. So for exa- Exactly, Blake. That's why you're Slytherin. So for against us at URI, mm-hmm. they wrote, you are me. <laughs> that's some good smart kid stuff i know right? i love that right? that's great so you um, know what i don't really i'm not a huge brown person but here's here's what you're getting they don't even march in formation they don't do anything right they just stand in a blob play yeah run around Get into another bob and play like on purpose. None of that. None of you nerds go going around walking in single file. Get out of here. We but don't need that. It was it was like their pride, their pride of how many schools they mocked sure. that they're wearing. And um, so I did not love that this Weasley is our king badge. As someone who's been mocked in badges before, it okay. hurt my feelings. But I agree, it's part of the banter. It's part of the fun when you're making these chants and you're making these things. As someone who played in a pep band and was in the marching band and did a lot of chants and things like that, first off, you're cheering most of the time for your team. You're supposed to be uplifting, but yeah, sometimes you can mock a little, you know, make a little fun out of somebody. Yep. But <sighs> talking about being born in a bin. <laughs> And to know that Malfoy wrote these lyrics, he, first off, he's a poet and didn't know it. Oh, of course. What the heck? <laughs> so, but mission accomplished, right? So this has got to be a little bit of brilliance for Draco Malfoy because he knows what Ron's weakness is. Of course. He pens this poem, mm-hmm. finds a melodic tune to it, teaches it to the entire Slytherin body. You wonder why they're not in Dumbledore's army because they're having a private acapella group practice after hours to learn the lyrics and melody to Weasley is Our King, co-chaired by Pansy Parkinson, who must be in Flitwick's chorus. That's why they didn't have the singing frogs. They've been too busy singing Weasley is Our King. Don't you dare besmirch the great name of one Pansy Parkinson. I'm not. I'm saying that she was conducting. Yeah, of course she is. So that's what they've all been up to. They haven't even noticed that all their Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw friends have been gone. They've been too busy practicing these lyrics. So people poo-poo Draco Malfoy. And I, I like to go through this. Giving props or props is needed. Mm-hmm. This was bloody brilliant. Was it good? Was it nice? No. Yes, but for kinda. the entire student body to be able singing this so clearly that Harry Potter whizzing through the air, wind through his messy hair, can hear the lyrics clearly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Love it. Aside from the bin, well done. No, I really like it because it shows, again, actually in the, as a counter argument, Mary, to what you said, okay. uh, or at least what I said, yes, it does show that there is division. You're getting a little confused. To what I said, sorry. Okay. <laughs> there do, it does show that there is division, which ultimately, Mary, does back or reinforce, rather, the antithesis to what the Sorting Hat said earlier in the book. Listen, guys, why don't we all just take a, take a step back here and become one school as opposed to four different houses, mm-hmm. right? This is a perfect antithesis to that and what helps propel the the remainder of the plot going forward. Like it, that does in and of itself provide tension, right? I just, again, I wonder if there could be a little bit more room for some more if Slytherin, if little Sluggy did show up. We Sluggy. You know, maybe it was like Sluggy was like, hey, Colin, screw you. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... Do my acapella group. I'm going to have my own. What does he call it? The people when he puts them on the mantle on the. Oh, but the part of his own slug club. That's probably oh, yeah, what yeah. happened. Oh, he made course. his own slug club. Good hey, for you, I'm buddy. I'm going to make this thing called the slug club. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the game. We've got one of my all time favorite characters, Lee Jordan. If I didn't get married to a Weasley, I swear to God, I would have been married to Lee Jordan. Oh, my God. The guy's wit. He's an announcer just oh. like me. Oh, I would have been right next to him. Like, love it, love it, love it. Um, you're, you're, I think your secret crush really is Lee Jordan. I agree. Uh, totally. And he's like calling people out at, yeah. o- over the whole thing. Oh, man. <laughs> 
but also still able to do what he needs to do. I like that McGonagall's sitting right next to him, making sure he doesn't mess things up. I'm like me when I was in the announcements, and I messed things up for an entire year, and nobody told me to the last day. <laughs> Thanks, classmates. <laughs> so Ron lets in a bunch of quaffles. He's just having the most rotten luck. He ends up telling Harry right before the game, hey, that massive save that you thought was really cool, it was totally an accident. Yeah. And Harry says, we'll just have some more accidents like that, and we'll be sure to win. I love how Harry's able to lead his team. He's not even captain yet, but he's able to, you know, kind of really try to bolster Ron up. Mm-hmm. And Harry, of course, wants to win. Harry is very competitive. But throughout this Quidditch match, his reason to win is to help save Ron's pride, is to help make sure that Ron doesn't feel like he let the team down in any which way. And I got to tell you, what a great friend. Totally agree. Especially knowing the result of the match and Ron's first instinct isn't, you know, to uh, say, oh, you know, who cares about Slytherin, whatever. It's he's apologizing. Guys, I'm sorry. It's it's my fault. Uh, and that is. Uh, it's masterful in a couple of different ways, mm. right? Masterful from the Slytherins. Because they did what they needed to do. And I really like that when it comes to sports. You find a way to win and you win. I, that That is like part of my inner core, right? Uh. <laughs> I mean, okay. So here is when I would be mean in sports. I will okay. say. I was So I wasn't mean in field hockey, even though I should have been very aggressive because I was twice the size of everybody. I didn't it's get true. the memo that field hockey was a short person sport. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Field hockey, whatever. Took me until senior year to be aggressive. However, I was on an all-state championship volleyball team my entire time in high school. Mm. I was not the best player, but I sure did have a great attitude. (laughs) (laughs) And my job- You were a little sluggy. (laughs) My job was to stand up and block the ball and to spike it. I was not great at serving. They would always sub me out when it was time to serve because I was not good at that. But I was great at being a wall and spiking. And so me and my teammates- we would point at who we were going to hit in the face. Oh, cool. Love it. And so even if I missed, I got people so scared because I'm a giant. And the rest of the girls in the front line with me, all giants. Most of Rhode Island is Italian or Greek, Mm -hmm. and they're they're a lot shorter than me and Blake. For those of you who haven't seen us in real life, Blake and I are truly, we're Hagrid's, okay, in this state. And so I would be coming up, and I would be like, point, be like, brunette you're mine you know (laughs) so but i hear you about that intimidation and so kind of word got around that the tollgate titans were making it a game at how many girls they could smack in the face and word got around the state like watch out because if they point to you (laughs) you're gonna go down so that was what i would do our little lad plays soccer and i coach his soccer team and and it's a traveling team. We represent our town and we play other towns and it's great. And one of the things that I try to emphasize is toughness. Not necessarily being dirty, but being tough. Like like a like the the, the kind of soccer that I play is an absolute uh insult. It's rugby. It's yeah, it's an insult and an abomination to the beautiful game, right? That that is played in your Like Europe. Ted Lasso soccer, this is not. Yes, this this is down, dirty, ugly American soccer, right? That's the way that I want to play. This is the Sandlot version yes. of Ted Lasso. So my uh, my son has 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 taken to this style, and he, <laughs> Reese is now the catcher in in uh, the Sandlot. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> Talking trash. Being, Talking so much trash. Being Draco Malfoy <laughs> during the games. To which point, I'm freaking out. Oh. I am freaking out because this is not what I'm teaching him. I'm teaching him every day. Be the Potter, not the Draco. Be the Potter, not the Draco. Don't be as offended as Ron. Try to be the Potter. And instead, I've got my Slytherin husband. Oh, yeah. Telling him the exact opposite. And uh, one of the last game that we played, Reese uh, decided that he was going to... He was going to get the ball from, from a, someone who had been... I don't want to say dominating, but had been very aggressive against our team. And that, that kid did He was like see, the, the other team's MVP. That kid did not see the brick wall that he ran into because Once Reese- again, a child of Hagrid's. A child of Hagrid's <laughs> decided he wasn't going to move when that kid, when the, when the opposing player was going to run towards him. In fact, that wall was going to push back a little bit. And that kid fell- Hotter than a than a bag of bricks, 
And then Reese, <laughs> my and the great Larry tradition of Larry Bird decided to do some great trash talking. And Mary, what did he say? Our little 10-year-old looked down at the other little 10-year-old on the ground and he said, you want more pain? <laughs> I did not teach him that. Harry Potter did not teach him that. This guy did. None of the social emotional learning that he has at school taught him that. <laughs> Turned into Mr. T. Do you My want more prediction? Pain? So then pain. the kid the kid got, went all Ron Weasley. He oh, got he wicked out. upset. Now mind you, Reese didn't swear, he didn't nope. assault the child, he didn't do anything foul. He just said, Do you want more pain? Which there's nothing really wrong with that. But it upset the kid so much that he like lost it. And the ref on the field had to like time out, which they never really time out. They had to time out and tell the kid to calm down. And the kid was yelling at his coach, Oh my God, did you hear him? He asked me if I want more pain. At which point, Blake and the other coaches overheard it, and Blake was like, that boy. I gave him a nice, <sighs> nice little fist pump right there. That was you awesome. You want more pain. Uh, and, oh, God. You want so, more pain. <laughs> so needless to say, okay, sports are sports. Um, I also appreciate that in Europe, from what I can understand, uh, they heckle a lot. I think about sure. Ted Lasso. Yes. And they would call him terrible names. We're not going to say it because it's a family, family podcast. But mm-hmm. they would see him out at the pubs and stuff. And they would call him a nickname about, you know, something else. And they were just really mean. Rhymes with anchor. Yes. <laughs> so they just trash talked him, trash talked the team. And so from what I understand, like that's the only thing that I really have to understand about how sports are over in, in that in neck of the woods. Um, so I assume that that's how it is, that you do trash talk, that you do find their little weakness and you call them names. Mm-hmm. Um I think that Ron could have really used some more practicing with Harry about how to ignore this. And it's too bad. Um, But also, Ron may have lost. You ready for this? Ron may have lost without the singing. Why do you say that? Um, Ron was nervous even before he saw the pins. True. Even before he heard them sing, he admitted that the great plays he's made were actually mistakes. So Ron has had incredibly negative self-talk mm-hmm. his entire life. Um, and we have to think about this like boy who's kind of been picked on by his brothers his entire life. He hasn't really had moments aside from this year when he gets to be prefect to really shine. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of people interested in him. His best friend is, is once again, Harry freaking Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom wanted a daughter and he pops out. Oh, goodness gracious. You know, so it's like poor Ron. I honestly don't think would have won this match. Maybe he wouldn't have lost and gotten so many in. Maybe he would have had one or two good plays. Mm-hmm. But he, I think, is a currently at the point that we're reading right now. I think he's a fickle um, athlete. And I think that had the game started off well maybe Angelina or someone been able to score a goal right away maybe Ron would have been in much more better emotional state mm-hmm. um I think that Ron would have let those goals in with or without the singing sure and Mary this also and again we, we joke about all this but this also I think foreshadows what's to come right because you know Ron does eventually kind of lose his cool and lose the I wouldn't say he loses his cool here in this chapter. No, 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 but like he loses his mental fortitude later on in the books mm-hmm. and you know and he leaves yeah. Ron and uh, he leaves Hermione and he leaves Harry. And and I it, it I think it just it gives a little bit more characterization to a person that you thought you knew pretty well. But it adds another layer to it all because once he gets pushed into a a scenario where his mental toughness may be in question, he falls. And he falls pretty glorious. I mean, he is um, he's so witty and he cracks a lot of jokes. He's very outspoken. We know him as constantly stuffing his face frequently here in the series. Uh, They really, especially in the movies, lean into his humorous aspect. But I think the books really drill home for us how insecure he is. And I love that he's able to demonstrate that for us because at 15, I mean, is there is there an even more insecure time in your life between the ages of like 13 and 17. Sure. 
And so Ron is that for us. He's there for us in that journey. And I I actually, I'm proud of him because he doesn't blow up. He doesn't get into fist fights. He doesn't scream at anybody. He goes off and goes for a walk. And he right. goes for a very long walk out in the out in the rain. And he comes back. And the first thing he says is, I'm sorry. Right, right. They won the match. Yeah. They And that's one of the things that Harry was thinking. If I just get this, it's going to be water under the bridge. Gryffindor still would have won. It'll be fine. But Ron knows, A, that he did not a great job keeping, but also B, that because they were picking on him is why his brothers and Harry stood up. Um, And got banned. And Exactly. And like got into this fight and everything. But he didn't even know that they were banned at this point. And he said, I'm sorry. And Harry says, for what? And he says, for thinking I can play Quidditch. I'm going to resign first thing tomorrow. Mm. This is all my fault. If I wasn't so lousy at Quidditch, uh, it was that song that wound me up. And um, he says, this is the worst I've ever felt in my life. And I just want to have a moment for Ron, because I feel like we've all had something like that happen to us, where not only are we disappointed in ourselves and something didn't go as we planned, but it was witnessed by others. And at such a tender age of 15, where obviously to Ron, people's opinions of him mean so much to know that that a quarter of the school was singing and mocking you. Yeah. And that everyone saw it and everyone heard it. And then you played poorly. It's not even like you were the comeback kid and, kid and you were able to, you know, kick, you know, quaffles away left and right. What a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for, for Absolutely. Ron. And this is going to be a core memory for him. Sure. And so it does explain... Like we get this as a character building moment, but like this is huge for him. And so he's going to continue to have these insecurities, like you were saying, Blake, play out in the future books. So right, but I just at want the, to give a hug sa- to him. But at the same time, Mary, there's also this great beat where Ron, I'm sorry, where Harry and Hermione are there. And mm-hmm. Harry wants to talk to him about it. I mean, uh, you didn't make me punch Malfoy, said Harry angrily. If I wasn't so terrible at Quidditch, it's got nothing to do with that. It was the song that wound me up. It would have wound anyone up and then harry says look drop it will you harry burst out it's bad enough without you blaming yourself for everything ron said nothing but gazing miserably at the damp hem of his robes after a while he said in a dull voice this is the worst i've ever felt in my life join the club said harry right so they both kind of wallow in this thing in this kind of misery together where Harry is trying to help Ron, but at the same time, Harry is going through his own stuff where he is banned from Quidditch. For all he knows, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the end. And because he's stuck up for his friend. How dare they take away his broom? Which in in and of itself isn't bad. I would have done the same thing. We know, Blake. Like We know what you would have done. Oh, man. I would have. Oh, anyway. Doesn't matter. What I'm getting at is there is this great beat where Harry and Ron can kind of just be together. And that also helps illuminate their relationship. And it helps uh, define how they are going to interact with each other, right? Uh, to me, there is no greater um, show and uh, example of friendship uh, or or love, let's say, as when people can just kind of be together and not be them best selves or be their best selves rather and allow you or your partner or your friend to just be the same and do that together, mm-hmm. right? That is really special. And no matter what, they're always going to potentially have each other's backs until, you know, Ron... Does he has the, the next worst moment of his life? Right, right. Uh, Anna asks here on Facebook, "Why is Harry banned from, uh, from Quidditch?" Quidditch. So when um, Ron walks away at the end of the game, uh, just as Harry catches the snitch, we've got an illegal bludger. I believe it was from Crabber Goyle. One of them. Who cares? It's the same person, right? They they illegally hit a bludger, and it hits the small of Harry's back, knocking the wind out of him. Madam Hooch is off yelling at yelling at him. And then Draco comes over and says, oh, I wrote the lyrics. Ha ha ha. And he starts making fun of Mrs. Weasley, Mr. Weasley, even Harry's mom. At which point, 
Harry and Fred run on off mm-hmm. and start to beat up Draco. Um, as they said, muggle Muggle, Muggle dueling. dueling. Yes. <laughs> Harry actually punches Draco in the gut while still holding the snitch. Yeah. Um, like he didn't even have a moment to take to to break out from that. So yeah, from there, um, they are called by um McGonagall. Yes. And what is so interesting is obviously she's so upset. Like this was embarrassing, this was terrible, but she says, You don't know what you've done. And she knows that this is going to be a huge thing for Umbridge. And sure enough, Umbridge comes in and bans them and the other twin from ever playing Quidditch again. Says we need to confiscate their brooms. Um, And she shows this power. She says, McGonagall, you were the one that showed me that I didn't have more power than you, than a common teacher. Mm. So I actually took care of this with Cornelius. So now what I say goes and I can punish the students how I see fit. Mm -hmm. And here we go. And this is a prime example of it. My question is, where in the world isn't Carmen San Diego, but where in the world is Dumbledore? Again, <sighs> I, I, I mean, all right. So within the story, yes, you're right. Where is Dumbledore? Yes. Right. He's just kind of in the shadows, I guess. But narratively, he has to disappear. Mm-hmm. Because as we talked about, I think a few episodes ago, if Dumbledore is there, it's just a a, a, a flick of the switch here, a flip of the switch and everything gets solved because Dumbledore, for the most part, can solve all. Where do you think Dumbledore is in headcanon? I, oh man. I think he's looking for Voldemort and trying to piece together Horcruxes because it's now been half a year since Voldemort came back. So I think he is A, trying to stay away from Harry, B, trying to help the Order of the Phoenix protect what needs to be protected, and C, trying to figure out where Voldemort is, how can we defeat him? So I think he's keeping busy with a pretty important task. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I think there's probably some text, uh, well, or at least textual evidence to that, because eventually, you know, he does see one of the one of the Horcruxes and puts it on his finger and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But in the next book. But I'm saying that well, right. he probably did a bunch of research before Well, well that's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, so there's textual, I think, evidence to show that there are things that are happening outside of this narrative that are transpiring, right? Um, and even though being banned from Quidditch for life is the worst thing in Harry's mind that could be happening to him that potentially Dumbledore could have alleviated and made not happen, in the grand scheme of things, chasing after the Dark Lord Whatever. is a bigger thing. Yeah, right. And obviously he can't tell Harry because he's realizing that Harry has this, some kind of a connection with Voldemort right. that he's trying to keep away from. So, you know, while we're doing this read-through of the Potterverse, um, you know, I'm really tr- trying to keep in perspective what are Dumbledore's intentions, what is he keeping from everybody, and you can. You can sit here and say, where was Dumbledore? Why didn't he stop this? Why didn't he make it even so that that way all the kids were treated the same? Sure. Um, but I do believe that for those reasons that I just listed, he couldn't be there. And to me, that's okay. Yeah, Kevin here on Facebook says, Dumbledore's got a lot of things going on, probably working with the centaurs or other creatures trying to secure them on uh, th- their side. Agreed. Yeah, I think, again, that's that's something that could be going on in the background that is orbiting the narrative that we're, uh, uh, you know, of which we're a part and it's like the weekend. Nobody's going to need the headmaster right now. Nobody's going to notice he's missing because they're all busy at the first Quidditch game. So it's a perfect time to sneak off and take care of other business. But, you know, for, for the structure overall, Dumbledore and Umbridge cannot coexist together because that would overshadow everything having to do with Harry. Well, just you wait. Well, you know what I mean, I right? Know. So, like, that overshadows it. Yes. So he has to be gone. You can't have it. That's that is absolutely what is wrong with the Fantastic Beasts series. Everything surrounding Newt is just much more interesting. Now, the application of it in the film series, I think, was done incorrectly. But everything surrounding Newt is much more interesting. Why are we following him when we should be following Dumbledore or we should be following Grindelwald? Right. They made that choice. So. That's why you have to have these two kind of on the sidelines or at least one of them on the sidelines while the other is kind of running rampant because that forces Harry, that forces Dumbledore's army to exist. And it puts that main antagonist in direct competition with our main protagonist Mm -hmm. so far. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why that has to be like that. 
Mary, we ask this question a lot. I'm going to ask this question one last time, and I know we're getting high up here in the, in the episode time. Is Umbridge correct in her choice? In what choice is that? There were some things, there were lots of things that were said. Oh, sorry, you're right. Uh, banning <laughs> Harry. Um, I think banning for life is a little too much. Um, I don't know how much right she has to stop him from playing even as an adult when he leaves Hogwarts. But I, if she were to do that, then I think that she should have done it to, as I said, Crabber Goyle. I forget which one hit the bludger. But yeah. that one should have had some some things too. Maybe banning for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I could have seen that. Um, well, think of it like this. Your kid is whoever, right? And another kid comes up and even though your kid was, you know, giving it out a little bit, your kid gets smacked and punched by this other kid. Don't wouldn't you want there to be some kind of recourse? Wouldn't you be like, "Hey, whoa. That ain't right." Wouldn't that be fair to, to be fair to say? No, I I agree. I, it's difficult because I guess yeah, we never really see fights break out at Hogwarts of this caliber. Right. Um I don't know. I don't I don't I think that what the punishment that she gave was not right. I will say that. All right, fair, fair. All right, you got anything else you want to talk about in this episode? That is it. All right, let's get to some emails, shall okay. we? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Oh. All right, this one comes from James. He says, firstly, thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. It feels like I'm listening to friends chatting about one of my favorite interests and obsessions. I'm from Exmouth in the southwest of the UK and started listening to the podcast in August of 23. I'm still not caught up with all of the episodes, but each one makes me think, laugh, and generally relax. Hmm. I tried to reread the whole Potter series on an annual basis, and I'm currently midway through The Order of the Phoenix. I'm not exactly reading along with you, but your conversation and, dare I say it, rambling are adding a different point of view on the reading. My main question, uh, I'm sorry, I always find that whatever my emotional state, the Potter series centers me. My main question would really be when I should start reading the stories to my daughter. Oh. She is five and a half years old, mm-hmm. but is very empathetic so that the darker moments could upset her yeah. and then upset my sleep. Joke. <laughs> kind we of. get it. Uh, at what age did you start reading them to your little lad and lass, both of whom, from their appearances on the show, are true credit to you? Oh. Thank you once again for your podcast. And it is wonderful to hear real people sharing their thoughts on a subject that I truly love. Thank you. All right. So, Marvin. Yes. Uh, when, uh, according to this question from James, did you start introducing Harry Potter to our kids? And what are your recommendations on how to approach uh, children that are more empathetic in nature? Yeah, whether that be that they're younger or more empathetic and you're afraid that the more mature content uh, can be a little scary. I think a lot of people agree that starting the Harry Potter books in their full form aged of what Harry Potter would be is is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think third grade, so we're talking, because I know our, that our grades are a little different, we're talking seven or eight years old, depending upon how your child handles, say, Frozen, or, you know what I mean? Like, if they're sure. able to handle scary situations in animated shows they might be able to handle it in a story i definitely think going through the stories first before the movies adds an extra layer of protection so they know what's coming up Mm -hmm. because the movies can be a lot scarier what we would do when they were younger is we played the soundtrack especially for the first uh movie but we played the soundtracks a lot you know especially the non-scary songs Mm -hmm. uh we would have the ambiance on youtube so that would have a lot of the scenes from Hogwarts and from the movies but it would have the music so really getting them familiar with the music and the themes and then I found once again on YouTube Quidditch like all the Quidditch games but in just a montage so it was like 16 minutes of Quidditch (laughs) and with the movies we would always what we call the wee Hogwarts we Mm -hmm. would watch say the first movie um up through Halloween 
There's a yeah, troll, the troll in the dungeon. Yeah. We would stop it there. We would we would have all the wee Hogwarts, anything from the trolley and the flying letters. And then right before Quirrell comes in, there's a troll in the dungeon. We would stop it there. Obviously, the Chamber of Secrets right away gets pretty scary with, you know, writing in blood. Yeah. Um, so we didn't really go past that. And it was just a lot of exposure until we felt that they were old enough. And then we read the books and we would ask them how they felt about things. And if anything seemed too scary, we would kind of table it for a little bit. But their exposure to the books and their exposure to the magical world really made it um, something that was okay. But I would say for our son, we probably did it. I think we he did was it pretty like, early, man. I mean, he was at least seven, six or seven. But once again, we live in like a Harry Potter house pretty much. So yeah, I think he was even younger than that. But still our daughter who's eight, yeah. she doesn't like watching Goblet of Fire because no. Cedric dies. Like mm-hmm. she vehemently doesn't want to watch that one. Um, our kids listen to the audiobooks a lot. And so I think that has given them freedom too, is that they listen to the audiobooks so they can skip the scary parts and mm-hmm. they can be there for the fun parts that they want. So yes. I would say follow your your little one's lead. Great advice, Marvin. All right, you ready to close this bad boy out? Yes. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to need you. Well, you know what? That's uh, all right. Fine. I was going to play some Shake It Off by T-Swift. Oh, but that, you know that would have been nice. You, yeah, you want me to get it? Next, next time. All right, here we go. Let's do it. We want to thank you so incredibly much for tuning into this episode of the Potterverse. As a reminder, Blake and I are podcasting about all sorts of other things at maryandblake.com. Now, if you go to maryandblake.com, a pop-up is going to come up asking if you would like to join our email list. This is not spam. It's not some automated weird thing. It's honestly me or Blake sending an email. Mm-hmm. You can click just emails for the Potterverse. You can click the Potterverse and all updates from myself and Blake. Sometimes I send that up to let you know about all the podcasts that we're working on um, or if there's any other shows that you're like Bridgerton for example is coming back on Netflix and we cover that Outlander will be coming back soon this year and like we said earlier in the podcast we do have our brand new Percy Jackson Prophecy so you can just search that Percy Jackson Prophecy with Mary and Reese R-H-Y-S in your podcatcher of choice. We would love for you to check that on out and let us know your thoughts. Yes. Uh, Thank you everybody to uh, all of our members at jointhenerdclan.com you make this all possible. Without you, none of this fun happens. None of none of me making fun of the pause happens. And, no. And Anna <laughs> Ashley is asking live on Facebook, no different perspective. The different perspective was earlier on in this episode, and it was yes. actually Blake's different perspective. It just First came out of nowhere. While. So we had to we had to let it be there early. <laughs> so uh, on that note, my friends, my name is Mary. My name's Little Sluggy. Oh my gosh. Mischief managed. <laughs>